Hey, thanks for downloading Cross Defense. God be praised. This is Pastor Brian Wolfman, your host, and I've got Pastor Flammy with me today. We're continuing our conversation on objections to Christianity. Today we talk about the objection that God and religion is the cause of all sorts of evil in the history of the world. It's a fascinating, fascinating conversation with Pastor Flammy. Another one of those that I want to go back and listen to again. Hope you enjoy it. Would love your feedback. Wolfmuller.co, there's a contact button. Let me know what you think about the show, about the topics, what you'd like to hear coming up next, and enjoy this episode of Cross Defense. Hey, welcome to Cross Defense. How's it going out there? Theologians, ready for this thing? This is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller, uh, your host here on Cross Defense, and I got Pastor Brian Flammy with me this week. Next week, we're finishing up this kind of series of conversations on common objections to the Christian faith. And today, we're gonna—oh, this is a great one. We're gonna take up this idea: isn't isn't religion the cause of all sorts of evil in the world? Doesn't the doesn't Christianity and the teaching of the Bible make it worse? This is a common accusation of the new atheists. That this is the basic idea that. You know, the old atheists used to say that Christianity was wrong, but the new atheists say that Christianity is bad. Is it true? What does the accusation mean? Where does it come from? How would we respond to it in a helpful and loving way? And to join me to work through some of that stuff is my good friend, Pastor Brian Flammy, pastor of Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Roswell, New Mexico. Pastor Flammy, how are things? Uh, things are going pretty well. You've Thank given you me a long list of examples of ways that what is the basic accusation? Theology makes things worse? Believing in God no, makes things worse for humanity? That's the well, basic accusation? There's, there's probably, yeah, there's probably a couple of ways you can frame it, depending on how sophisticated you are. Uh, so uh, the general idea is that religion causes bad things to happen in some way. And then there's a wide variety of ways in which that's stated. Some ways in which it's stated sound very caustic, other ways are a little more nuanced uh, because the more caustic ways of asserting it are just blatantly foolish. Like, so for instance, uh, when somebody says religion is the cause of most of our world's ills, or it causes the most evil and damage in this world when religious fanatics uh, uh, do what they do and believe their faith, uh, that, that religion uh, stops anything good from happening in the world I mean, these are these blatant accusations are are, are are a little bit foolish. And so more of the uh, nuanced ways of saying it is that uh, religion, instead of necessarily causing evil, maybe it just prevents good and progress from happening. Uh, and I think that's probably uh, one of the ways in which I hear it uh, from some of my uh, old friends who are not Christians. When they talk mm -hmm. about uh, religion in general. Uh, they say that it keeps there from being the necessary progress that they show so love, societal mm. progress towards better and better good, right? And mm. so instead of just being a, an absolute force of evil and wickedness, uh, it, it, it still represents a kind of hindrance, a, a, a kind of a check on man's progress in improving himself or something like that. This does, it is, there is this basic idea, I mean, this is a little bit off the script, but to take one step to the side, that... And just to point it out, because I think it's sometimes helpful as we engage in these conversations just to realize where people are coming from, the sort of mental mm. space that they occupy. And so much of our own thinking about the world and the history of the world is is colored by evolution so that people look at anything old as sort of um, quaint or unsophisticated 
uh, cute at best, dangerous at worst, you, 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 and Crude. it's almost like, yeah, there's a, and there's, so there's a, a crudeness, that's a nice word for it, there's a crudeness to, to the Christian faith, a, a sort of, I don't know, condescending way would be to see it as trite, but to, it's like an anchor on progress, it's holding you back, and if we could only unfetter our thinking from this sort of, uh, this, this sort of barbaric antiquity, well, then we would be really off to the races. Yeah, and so this is this is actually p- probably the heart of the new atheist argument that religious belief represents an antiquated and an outdated way of human interaction with the world and with each other. Uh, so that religious belief, according to the new atheists, is in fact nothing more than baseless groundless superstition. The idea is that, you know, the cavemen, as, as they interacted with each other and, and witnessed grand marvels in nature, had no scientific way to explain what was going on. And so uh, when they saw lightning, they thought it came from some man in the sky who was throwing lightning, whom they eventually called uh, Zeus or Thor or something like that, right? Hmm. And, and the idea is that now that we have this grand thing called science and uh we can measure say it with reverence and yes say it with great reverence and now we can measure and observe and come to these uh physical explanations of all things in the in the visible world uh now we don't need to posit some kind of mysterious force that's beyond our observation that's responsible for the world the world we can use to explain itself we don't have to step outside of the world to assert some kind of prior cause. Hmm. Uh, that, they say, belongs to the old, primitive, crude way of thinking. But now in this modern age of, uh, uh, what do you call it, where, where the whole world is just stuff and there's no immaterial stuff. What do you call that? Monism, Monism? materialism. Materialism. What? In this new, brave, materialistic world, uh, we've, we've moved beyond such explanations, right? And so even when it comes to people's inner states, which, are, which is basically our, our immaterial life. Uh, my imagination is not identifiable with anything outside of itself in the world. And yet, and yet uh, when you have a dream at night, or when you daydream during the day, or when you think uh, of, of ideas and, and postulate you know, the, uh, the possibilities of what might happen today or the next, uh, when you use your mind in freedom like that, the materialists can you know, buckle it all down into like uh, an explanation of uh, chemical reactions and electrical signals within this gray matter between your ears. It takes all the romance out of it, if you ask me. Well, yeah, it makes <laughs> but, it kind of boring. Well, man, but you and you, you start to wonder what's motivating. Which I, I'm really maybe we'll talk about that next week. I'm really interested in what motivates this sort of determinist that uh, this kind of determined move to make everything molecules to make everything matter yeah. to make everything measurable to to remove to expunge anything spiritual ex- and especially god from i mean at some point it seems like it's just too much protest but but we know not at only least that, that not only that oh, yeah. this is not a new move uh the materialistic move this is the old philosophy that Christianity came to refute, specifically. Hmm. Uh, so the Epicureans and the Stoics, both, as you know, were uh, materialists. Both of them rejected the immaterial and spiritual world. 
And the Christians came as a new religion to refute the old materialism. So there's, you see, if you even begin to press on the, on the new atheist story of crude and primitive thinking advancing towards more nuanced thinking, even a, a, a brief survey of history shows that that is absolutely wrong. That's that these right. That have gone back and forth with varying degrees of sophistication for millennia. This is, you know, all the old philosophers, all the old Greek philosophers were evolutionists. And then some Zeus guy comes along and says, that evolution is so stupid, you should believe in Zeus. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a kind of reversion that's taking place. It's like it's like the sensibleness of humanity is is receding backwards. And so, you know, that's just like Christianity marched across the old greek paganism roman paganism celtic paganism and now it's unfolding so we got the new all these paganisms starting to show back up so it's no surprise that the paganism of evolution shows back up too with these with the idea of of power being the major metric through which we observe everything in the world it's unbelievable and now how about this Pastor Flammy? <laughs> everything is under the guise of power and then christianity gets criticized because well look you're look how mean your god is this like, well, it's like least, looking in the yeah, mirror. Speak for ourselves. If, we're, if you're going to measure us by any metric, maybe you should try to consider us according to our own, <laughs> which is not a metric of power, but a metric of love. Look, look, when it comes to might makes right, the great triumph of the ancient world, even before the advent of Christianity, was when Plato and his followers were able to articulate a political theory that moved beyond the guy who has the most strength ought to be the guy in charge, right? <laughs> that's, the whole point. Uh, that's the whole point behind Plato's Republic. He imagined a just society where it wasn't necessarily true that the mightiest ought to be the, uh, ought to be the ones in charge. And in fact, perhaps maybe the philosophers should be in charge, right? Uh, it's, it just, so it just goes to show you that our even modern political theory which concerns a dialectic of power, manipulation, control, those who have it, those who will take it, that this is, would have been considered, even by the ancients, the pagan ancients, as crude, unsophisticated, and unenlightened. It is, it's one of the marks of childhood, right? Or maybe of adolescence, that you see yourself as smarter than everyone who's gone before you. But that's precisely the kind of mental state of the new atheism. Is, and, and evolution enforces it, because it, by almost by definition, every generation has to be smarter and greater than the one that went before it. And you, you, you are... The, the ideology of evolution forces you to despise all those things that have happened before you. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it, it, it's you, you think you're smarter <laughs> than those who have gone before you, and then you come up with stories about the past to affirm your preconceived notions about who you are and who they are. Uh, and that's where we get these, these uh, very facile, very uh, uh, demonstrably wrong historical stories, and we'll try to get into this, I think, of, of how the world started out in darkness, religion, and superstition, and through throwing off the shackles of religion and, and uh, superstition and belief in God, then man made great moral and technological progress, right? It, it uh, is occurring to me how... any I'm... evil in the world today, uh, manifest evil committed between men, uh, we could say, well, this is just a reassertion, uh, so the new atheist would say, of that old religion, that old superstitious way of seeing things, uh, hindering people from being who they should in this great new materialistic scientific world.
this is it, it makes this makes some sense to me too about why the fight there's a a fight over history i mean there's a fight over the story that we tell ourselves of how we got here which is why which is why evolution versus creation is such an important debate in fact because it's a debate yeah. over the story of how you got here and so so the rest of history okay so let's yeah we got to move kind of i was hoping to finish like your first two pages of notes in the first segment we haven't gotten there yet so okay so here's the basic <laughs> accusation the, the the atheist or the secularist or the anti-christian comes along and says look everything christianity is basically the source of everything bad and they've got kind of three buckets of arguments that they're going to dump on us number one the biblical evidence god did a lot of bad things in the Old Testament, and he also told the, his people to do bad things in the Old Testament, and Jesus talks mean about hell. Then there's the yeah. hi- Middle Ages history stuff. So you got the Crusades. Look at the Crusades, how bad. The religious wars, like the Thirty Years' War, the Spanish Inquisition, which nobody expects. The mistreatment of Jews uh, during the Middle Ages and Luther's writing. Etc. And and oh yeah, this is in, you put this down, which is and and the horrors of colonization. Today is Columbus Day, after all. And it, but we don't. It's not Columbus Day anymore. It's Indigenous People Celebration Day or something. Yeah, Indigenous uh, Persons Day. That's persons. that's what we call it. Per humans, per humans. <laughs> now, uh, so this is uh, so all of these. Those are the historical examples. And then there's contemporary examples. Uh, is nine eleven. ISIS, the mega, the Christchurch massacre in New Zealand, the proliferation of right-wing mass shootings, the suppression of civil rights. This is where it really hits home. So the suppression of the woman's right to kill her unborn child, the suppression of 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 uh, the right of a person to marry whoever, whatever person they want to marry, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So those are that's your kind of three buckets that are splashed in the face of the Christian as evidence of. Of religion as this and God, or the idea of God as the source of trouble in the world, is that a that's a pretty good list, yeah. Pastor Flammy? Do you did I get everything? It, yeah, no, you got everything. Um, you have to understand though how they use the Old Testament examples and the biblical examples, for instance. Uh, uh, so when they talk about Job, uh, shows God to be a mass murderer and a tyrant. I mean, even if you paid attention to our couple of episodes on Job you would have a hard time uh, accepting that because you understand there's so much more going on in Job than what that accusation is trying to say. And in fact, if someone tried to say that about Job and you've read through it and you've considered it according to how the scriptures want you to consider it, uh, you would have to say, well, it's clear to me that you uh, uh, have not actually read Job. <laughs> you know, that's the, so that's the quality of the water that's in the bucket. It's not very good. Uh, it, it's, it's a little too easy. It's a little too caustic for it to be accurate. Um, if they want to make an argument like that from the Holy Spirit, from Job especially, they have, to, they have to back up what they say. They just can't let it stand at that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to be one of our points today that we want to say, that instead of letting the bare accusation stand, the best thing that you can do as a Christian, apologetically, is to press on the accusation. Tell them to explain themselves and say, well, explain to me specifically from history how you think this is possible. I want dates. I want names. I want situations. You can't just let people uh, say things without backing it up. And this is my point. When they look for evidence, the specifics to back up the accusations of this kind that the, of the, uh, the accusations of these buckets of, from uh, the, the scriptures 
and from medieval history and in, from modern history, you'll see that the, the, that the evidence itself is just plain not there. It's not hmm. what they claim it is. Hmm. That's a fantastic point. We're going to go to the break now, Pastor Fleming, and we'll come back and press. I want to, I want to ask a couple questions about that, and then, and then maybe some of the specific charges, Old Testament history and so forth. How do we address, like, for example, the Crusades, the Spanish Inquisition? And then, and, and what this all means, so to kind of make sure we paint the big picture. So, so when these accusations come up, it'd be nice to have, just sort, sort of have a, a thumbnail strategy strat, uh, sketch on how to, how to get after it. You started that. We'll, we'll complete that as well. You're listening to Cross Defense. Thanks, everyone out there, for listening. I'm Pastor Brian Wolfmuller of St. Paul Lutheran Church and Jesus Deaf Lutheran Church, and Pastor Flam is joining me here. We're talking about how to answer the accusations that the, that theology or God or religion is the source of all of mankind's troubles. Short break. We'll be right back. Did you know that your individual retirement account may make the best gift to KFUO? The IRS now allows individuals 70 and a half or older to transfer their required minimum distribution directly to charity and avoid paying the associated income tax. These gifts can provide regular long-term resources to KFUO. If you have questions about making an IRA gift to KFUO, call me, Mary, at 314-996-1518. We'll send a representative out to help answer your questions and help you establish a legacy of giving to your favorite radio station, Worldwide KFUO. Concord Matters is the program where we seek to be of one mind that is the mind of Christ. And to do that, Christ-confessing Concordians read through and discuss the Book of Concord, which is our Lutheran confession of faith drawn from Holy Scripture, so that you too may be of one mind and confess with Christ. Be sure to listen every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Central on KFUO Radio or anytime on KFUO.org or anywhere you get your podcasts. Until we convene for Concord again, keep confessing, church. The hymn we will be examining on Law and Gospels Rumination Tuesday with myself, Tom Baker, and Mark Smith is, I trust, O Lord, your holy name. What does that mean? What does it mean to trust his holy name? Listen to Law and Gospel weekday mornings beginning at 9.30 on KFUO. This week on Issues Etc., we'll discuss the battle over religious liberty in America with Luke Goodrich. We'll talk with Pastor Paul McCain about repentance, the use of the sacraments, and ecclesiastical order from the Augsburg Confession. And we'll have Pastor Peter Bender lead us in a teaching on the first and second petitions of the Lord's Prayer. Issues Etc., live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. Welcome back to Cross Defense. We're talking about why it is that God causes so much trouble in the world. <laughs> That's at least the accusation, right? That the that the atheist, unbeliever, the person who wants to, well, look, the person who wants a good excuse to not go to church. This is one of the excuses that's always trotted out. Hey, God makes things worse. God is kind of rough around the edges, and mean things happen because people, bad things happen because people believe in God. Pastor Flamey said, well, let's talk about that. That's what we're doing. And the first idea is to press the historical accusations. Just, In fact, if someone's bringing up a, uh, a, a trouble with one of the passages of the Bible, say, well, let's just, why don't we look at that passage? Why don't we go and look 
at the words. Or if someone's talking about the Crusades or whatever, let's go actually look at the dates and the things that happened and why they happened and so forth and so on. So let's let's not work in these abstractions. Let's press down to specifics. That's really good. And you've given Pastor Flammy four ide- four questions that you that are helpful to ask in this particular situation. The first one is to ask, what do you mean by religion? or the phenomenon of faith, or the specific faith that you're talking about. What are you talking about? What makes it so dangerous? So to try to press down to what the person is actually saying, that's the, that's the first thing you've suggested. What do, what do you mean by that? Oh, yeah. Well, what I mean is that when, when people use the word religion, it's not entirely clear what they mean. Are they talking about religion as a kind of abstract way of talking about any sort of spirituality or religious faith, whatever uh, whatever kind it may be, because you and I know that there are these incredible differences, not incredible, <laughs> but there are these great vast. differences, be- vast, vast differences uh, between, you know, what, what uh, uh, the Bible says versus what the Quran says versus what the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the Buddha says versus what the, uh, the Hindu texts say, uh, that, that they are not basically the same. And yet, one of the projects of the modern world and modern philosophy is to speak of religion in the abstract, that all of these are just instantiations of just a general sort of a thing. Well, if that's true, if that's what they mean by religion, it is any kind of spirituality, well, then whatever they claim, uh, whatever they claim against religion is in fact very, very weak, because uh, it becomes re- it's really easy at that point to take the word religion and to replace it with something just as bland and just as abstract, like politics. Yeah. <laughs> right? Which seems to me, just on the face of it, to be a better candidate for violence and evil than yeah, religion. Yeah, so much bad has happened under the name and guise of politics. But no one's suggesting that we shouldn't be political. Because it's the, right? the point is, the, it's not the politics, it's the wrong politics. It's not the, it's the wrong theology. That's the... Exactly. And so and so with the so with religion, it's better if we get them to to talk about what religion specifically. Uh, Nevertheless, I have discovered, at least in my my reading in the past, that there is an argument that exists out there that says that religion in and of itself as an abstract thing makes violence and evil more possible. Why? Because it lowers the costs of doing extreme action. And so in, in the, during the soul-searching of the United States and other Western countries in the aftermath of 9-11, uh, this one scholar put this idea forward, that the reason why people can find it within themselves to strap on insanely, to strap on an explosive device, or to commit suicide, which is an act of insanity, and then take as many people with them as they possibly can, they, they say that, look, it's not Islam that was really the problem here, but rather that, that through their religious faith, they, instead of seeing death as that which ends all things, they saw death as the portal to another place. And in this other place, they were going to be rewarded, right? So this is what we might call an economic argument for why religion makes violence possible. Uh, uh, but then we would be well, <laughs> we would be uh, uh, well-suited as Christians to answer that argument and saying, okay, well, let's talk about the specifics of that person's faith. What, are, what is the actual economic calculus that's going on here that, that, that allows this Muslim person to think that he's justified in committing suicide and killing many people 
along with him when he when he detonates his vest or crashes his airplane. Uh, and then we could that we could explain to them very specifically while that kind why that kind of moral calculus that spiritual calculus is impossible if you are in fact a Christian. Mm-hmm. And what does it mean to be a Christian? It means to to believe what Jesus says. And so you have to be very specific about that. We don't define Christianity according to what uh, uh, the you know sociologists uh, uh, might say about Christianity. We don't belong to a vast and inarticulate tradition. Instead, as Christians, we should say, no, what makes us a Christian is faith in Jesus's words. And so that way you take the the person who makes an argument like that and drags them to the Holy Scriptures, and then you could point to the the place in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, love your enemies, Uh, right? uh And uh and if your enemies threaten you, what are you supposed to do? Turn your other cheek. Uh, uh, we would uh, uh, we should delight in those words because it sets us apart from all the other people in the world who desire vengeance and anger and violence. The Christian has no need of those things because that is what the words of Jesus have done for us. They set us free from that kind of violence and uh, and insane urges to hurt other people. So, so uh, you so could again. Yeah, so let me see if I could. I'm, I'm, so you track it down in this way. You say, okay, let's look at. So let's say, let's just take the example of the suicide bomber, and you say the argument goes, well, because you believe in an afterlife, then you blow yourself up. And you say, but are there other people who believe in an afterlife who don't think it's good to blow themselves up? Answer: Yes. So right. it's not an essential part of the argument. And then you could say, are there people who don't believe in an afterlife who also commit things like kamikaze? And the answer is, oh, apparently there are. So, so you can't make that connection that way either. And then you could say, let's look at what Jesus says about something like this. And you go to the particular text, and, and it turns out that Jesus is against this sort of thing as well. And he's against this not only with himself, but for anybody committing this kind of murder. And then, and then we might even ask, how, and this is the question, uh, you and I were just kind of kicking on this yesterday as we were talking about this. The, the question is, how do you know that something like suicide bombing is wrong in the first place, because I know that because of Jesus and also the Ten Commandments and the Bible and also natural law, which assumes that God has written a morality into the conscience and into nature. But how do you know that it's wrong? How? Where do you come from? Where Where do you get the 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 grounding to stand on such a bold accusation that this particular way of living and dying is wrong? Yeah, that's right. So if I'm a really good materialist, if I want to be a very excellent new atheist, (laughs) I can only describe the world in terms of is. I cannot describe the world in terms of ought. Uh, (laughs) And once I say you ought to do this and ought not to do that, that implies that there is a there is a person who says do this or don't do this. Right. Christians can account for that because we know who God is and we know what he says. Do this. Don't do that, oh, right? These things are good for life. These things lead to death. The atheist has no, they've removed from themselves and even from their own language, the possibility of, of describing these things. And so they are absolutely and fundamentally inconsistent. If they want to, to hold up a moral charge against Christianity or religion in general, uh, yeah. we should press them on that question and say, well, how do you know if it's right or wrong? According to your own standard, you have no standard of right or wrong. You have to explain it in terms of what you desire personally or what the society desires. But who is the arbiter? Who is the judge? Right. And before you know it, the, the, the argument is, is fairly easily switched back on them 
And uh, uh, it, 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 they'd be hard-pressed to try to describe <laughs> or explain why their personal human judgment is, in, in fact, in a position to judge uh, uh, religion as a whole phenomenon. It seems a bit I arrogant to me. I think this is, I mean, just, I, I want to press this point. I just, I mean, I kind of just want you to say what you said again. Let me try to say it. And then you, that if, if someone comes along with the criticism, so the criticism goes like this, hey, things are not like they're supposed to be. Therefore, no God. <laughs> and we're like, wait yeah. a minute. God's been telling us things are not like they're supposed to be as long as he's been saying stuff. <laughs> the fact that things are not like they're supposed to be is not a valid. It does, it does not therefore follow that there is no God. That's, that, I mean, we, we would 100% uh, agree with the fact that things are not like they're supposed to be. So, so, so that argument, it, but, but, but at the point, and then maybe even this point. So the, the fact that you know that things are not like they're supposed to be, not only is not proof that there's not God, but in fact it is proof that there is a God, that God does exist, and that there's a word, right. that there's a law and an order. So, so yeah, the, yeah. this, this the weird old, this, argument this that principle, the, uh, the old principle of the ancients, which cannot be understood by modern materialists, is uh, uh, you know the. Uh, the abuse of something doesn't negate the thing and instead confirms it, right? This is essentially what's going on in these arguments. When they see that creation can be abused and people can be abused and, and things are not what they ought to be, instead of that being a negation of the very things themselves that are being attacked, that confirms that they ought to be better. There is something that is supposed to be whole there. And if we're talking about the cre or creation altogether, with it, that also implies a creator, right? Someone who authors all of the good things into existence that are in fact being attacked. And so the question ought to be: instead, instead of why are the uh, why are the bad things happening, and why do we think that you know religion causes it? But but rather, what are uh, what are the things that are attacking God's good and gracious will? <laughs> that that that's robbing us of all the joys and the comforts of creation that God wants to give us. Yeah. That's a much more godly way of thinking about this, and that leads us down to uh, articulating a definition of sin, another one of those words that we've lost the capacity to understand in our modern world. Well, so do, do it. What's, how would you define sin, especially in, this, in the context of this argument? Yeah, so sin is not the dark side of the force. I know that that's how many, uh, probably, American evangelical preachers like to think of it, with all their Star Wars analogies, but it's not. Classically speaking, uh, how the old theologians, the, the old biblical theologians spoke of it was that it is a privation, a negation, or a corruption of what God has created and called good, right? <laughs> and so this concerns both God's creation and God's words. So the very first sin was a corruption of God's word. And, a fa and faith in the corruption rather than faith in the true and, and uh, good word that was given to Adam and Eve. Uh, so also the consequences of that sin, of that uh, belief in the thing that's not God's word, the, corruption, the corrupt version of God's word, which Satan preached, results in a corruption in all of creation itself. So Adam and Eve, their bodies are no longer whole, but now susceptible and, uh, and, and about to be ravaged by disease and age and finally death. Uh, the consequences for sin also extend to the rest of creation, right? So now the ground, ground doesn't give it's fruit in the way that it should. Instead, there, there are blights on the land, right? All crop diseases. Uh, that you, the farmer goes out and he plows and he sows, and then he has failed 
crops and failed harvests. That's not the way it should be. His investment of labor ought to have an equal return at least, but it doesn't work out that way. Uh, these are all consequences of a corrupt existence, something that has, in fact, broken the world in which we live, and we call that sin. And so sin is, is less of this, like, uh, uh, dark, br- uh, black presence that's flying around the universe, eating up stuff. <laughs> it's, it's more, it, it'd be better to talk about it in terms of that which, which uh, takes away from or denies the goodness and the reality of God's creation and his word. Now, the Lutherans in, uh, have always acknowledged this, uh, uh, that, yes, it's true that sin is privation or negation or corruption, but at the same time, in the human agent, in the human person uh, who, who is, has a broken soul because of sin, uh, it doesn't mean that his soul is merely broken. It also means that his soul has now become aggressively uh, 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 angry with and uh, count, counter to God, right? Uh, so that... It's not like the soul is merely, uh, uh, I don't know, indifferent towards God, but in fact now the soul cannot but hate God and hate mm. God's word and hates the good things of creation, right? And, and so the secularist, the person who wants to deny the, the reality of sin, that, that, that uh, creation is corrupted at all, for them it is, it, it, in some ways it shouldn't surprise us that they can make up arguments for murdering old people before their time has come or giving mm. us long explanations as to why the the unborn babies in the womb should be murdered, right? Mm. Because they already have mm. this, this, broken, uh, 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 this broken view of reality. And not only that, their souls and their minds are antagonistic towards the truth. They're oh. always going to be attacking the truth. They're always going to be attacking creation itself. You say these charges are not new. This goes way back. Give us a couple minutes on that. Uh, the charges are not new. This goes Especially- way back especially the charges that Christianity is the root of all evil. And you mentioned Justin Martyr's apology. Oh, as the yeah, re- good, good, good. I'm glad you talked about that. Look, from the very beginning, the antagonism of the unbelieving world against the truth came forward in the very first years of Christian preaching. Jesus, in fact, himself warns, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. The world can't but hate Christ and the truth and the gifts of his redemption and creation. That's from John chapter 15, verse 18, by the way. Uh, and so in the first centuries of the Christian church, the, the, the human authorities that God had put in place to preserve order and peace and life uh, attacked the good thing that was in its, in its midst, which is Christianity. And, and so the Christians were accused of all kinds of crazy things, of immorality, uh, of, of sexual depravity, of hatred, misanthropy, right, and even atheism. I mean, you, you, you think of the most outlandish charges you possibly can. These were the very things that were being spoken of concerning the Christians that were, and that were being entered into uh, uh, court as evidence to convict the Christians and to force them to be persecuted to the point of martyrdom. Well, Justin Martyr says in his first grand apology to the Roman emperor, uh, he says, look, you cannot in justice condemn us. Because if you knew the truth of what we teach and what we do, uh, and you still continue to persecute us, then you'd be without an excuse before God's judgment throne, and all of our blood will be on your, your hands. And so Justin Martyr's very first apology is very basic. He doesn't engage in a lot of rational arguments as to why God exists <laughs> or why there could be miracles. No, 
His main thing is refuting all of these baseless accusations of immorality against the Christians. And he says, no, this, Jesus has taught us, right? He goes back to God's word. He goes back to what Jesus says. He says, Jesus has taught us to love even our enemies, to turn the other cheek, to suffer and not to avenge ourselves. Jesus has taught us to be generous because he himself has been generous in pouring out his blood to redeem us. These are the kinds of the arguments that Justin Martyr brings to bear against the, bas- the baseless accusations uh, against the religion of the Christians, which was, uh, to the, from the Roman point of view, in fact, a kind of anti-religion. It denied the, the deity of the emperor, that the old uh, uh, godly, or God, the order of the gods, right, where there, you have the gods of the, of the sky, and then you have the emperor who stands beneath them, and he dispenses the favor of the gods to those who he loves. Christianity comes and says, no, that's a perversion of the truth. Right. There is only one God, and we worship him. And even the emperor himself stands under judgment uh, to, uh, to his son, who will come again in glory at the resurrection I, of the dead. I, I love how these old apologists, they say, you want to drag us into court, but you stand in the court of God. And he is the judge right. who will judge me if I'm teaching the truth and will judge you for denying the truth. You're listening to to Cross Defense, Pastor Brian Wolfmuller and Brian Flamming. We're talking about the accusation that religion is a cause of evil. we got to go to the last break, and we'll be back to answer the specific... Just to sketch out a, a, some answers to specific charges. What about the Crusades? What about the Thirty Years' War? What about the Spanish Inquisition? What about Luther and Jews and the lies? What about all these things? What do we say to this? And have some final thoughts from Pastor Flamming. Stay tuned. You're listening to Cross Defense, and we will be right back. Hey, we're taking a break. It's Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. Thanks again for listening. I hope you enjoyed these conversations with Pastor Brian Flammy. We got uh, we got one more coming up next week, and then we'll be back a little bit to the more traditional format of just me talking about stuff. If you enjoy cross defense, I got a couple of things I want to I want to ask of you. Uh, first is if you could give me your feedback on the show, what you enjoy about it, what you don't, what's good and what's bad. That really is helpful for me to to kind of shape the way things are going and and know how it's going. It's it, you know I'm just here talking to the microphone. I don't know, I don't know the look on your face. So let me know. The best way to get a hold of me is wolfmuller.co/contact. Also, two more things. If you enjoy the content, you'd you'd love this weekly newsletter that we send out called Wednesday Whatnot. Every Wednesday afternoon, I send out a free newsletter with a lot of theological tidbits, quotations, Bible studies, things that I've found curious. And once a month, we do a book giveaway uh, to any of the books that we've published. It would just be fun for you if you enjoy the show. So you can find that at wolfmuller.co slash Wednesday. Finally, if you're interested in supporting the show, especially through KFUO uh, in St. Louis and your, or uh, the podcast itself, if you would let me know about that, there, there's some um, day sponsorships that are available supporting the show, even some uh, some sponsorship opportunities for the podcast. So if that's something interesting to you and if you've got some extra money your church is provided for and your family's provided for and you want to jump in and, and help support the show, uh, I'd love to hear from you as well. You can find me, uh, reach out to me at uh, wolfmuller.co slash contact. Thanks again for being a listener. Back to the show. All right, welcome back to Cross Defense. You're listening to Pastor Brian Wolfmuller and Pastor Brian Flammy talking about why God makes the world so bad. That's the accusation 
Religion makes people evil. God is the cause of all sorts of trouble. We're talking about this, and I want to talk about, Pastor Flaming, some of these specific things. So the big, what are the big ones? The Spanish Inquisition and the Crusades. At least that's in my experience the big one. What do you say about the Crusades? Well, uh, one of the things that we have to understand about the Crusades was that uh, in, in the world at that time, Islam was a militant and expanding force. Uh, that it had already conquered uh, parts of the Iberian Peninsula, what we would call Spain. And it was threatening Eastern and ultimately uh, invading and taking over Western Europe. Um, so you have to understand this in terms of geopolitical uh, uh, conflict. That, uh, look, if you are a, a German <laughs> and you care about uh, uh, living a German way and being free to, to worship as the Germans do, which is according to the, the Christian religion, then the invasion of the Muslims into Europe was threatening you, and it demanded a response from your leaders, right? Uh, and, and so not only that, so that was what we might call the first reason why the, the, the Crusades seemed necessary, was because of the aggressive expanse of Islam and the need for uh, the Christian West, uh, especially Europe, to stand against it and even to force it back. Uh, they didn't believe in a kind of religious neutrality that we, uh, uh, you know, that uh, uh, we ought to let the lands decide for themselves what they should believe or something like that. Uh, that's more of a modern notion. And instead, uh, from the Christian perspective at that time, it was like uh, Christianity or nothing. Uh, and it's even worse when the or nothing, which in this case is Islam, is spreading to, to swallow up the truth of the gospel. And so uh, famously, uh, Pope Urban... The second, uh, uh, he uh, uh, commanded in order that the, the first crusade take place to force back the Muslim invaders to liberate the formerly Christian lands of the Byzantine Empire and also to reclaim Jerusalem because it was very important for uh, medieval Christianity that the, the routes of pilgrimage remain open so people could go and, and venerate Christ and worship him at the site of his crucifixion and resurrection and other places like this. Uh, and, and so those were the, uh, the, uh, so those were the, the, the basic uh, I, I, the motivations behind the crusade. Uh, it was, it, instead of being an, an, an aggressive uh, war to, to uh, convert people who had no knowledge of Christianity, was to, in fact, reclaim that which was uh, forced, taken away to, from them by force by Islam. Um, and to preserve the the, uh, the uh, capacity for the Christians to to worship through pilgrimage and, and things like that. Now, as Lutherans, we do, do we think that pilgrimages like that are, are, are necessary and should be fought for through uh, the means of violence? No. And in fact, one of the things that we can say as Lutherans and as, as Christians who study the Bible as opposed to just the teachings of the Pope, one of the things that we can say is that it's clear that Pope Urban II and those uh, who followed after him had confused the estates of the church and uh, the secular estate, which belonged to the princes, the kings, and the emperor. Uh, the pope sought to uh, compel the, the emperor and, uh, and uh, the other princes uh, to, to, uh, to fight uh, for, in the name of Christianity and in, in the name of Christ, when in fact the secular princes should be fighting in the names of their citizens, to whom God, you know, th those people that God has given them to protect. Mm -hmm. this, this represents a confusion of law and gospel. This represents also a confusion 
uh, between the, the, different, the, the differing estates of the church, which is founded upon the preaching of the gospel, and it doesn't expand or, or stay as strong because, by the sword, versus the, the true and authentic power of the sword, which is supposed to preserve life, land, property, and the rest of it. So we can basically say to the Crusades, well, we, we agree that they were bad, but they're not as bad as you think they are. And we can point to the right. reasons, I mean, it, the theological reasons why they were bad. We can, in fact, point to the theological reasons as to why they were bad, but we could also, I think, sympathize with the desire to reclaim those lands that had been Christian and were now under Islamic oppression. Uh, 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 that, uh, you know, is, Islam wasn't, a, uh, it wasn't this peaceful force that was converting people through its winsomeness, but Islam was, in fact, being proliferated through the edge of the sword and right. by open warfare. And so for Western Europe, this became a matter of survival. Yep. Yep. Okay, now, second accusation. Uh, the, in the Spanish Inquisition, which nobody expects. <laughs> I like saying that. The Spanish Inquisition uh, uh, gained formal status within, uh, within the Iberian Peninsula, within Spain, around the year 1480 or so, right at the, ad uh, right at the advent of the Reformation. And it was, in fact, in the Reformation that the Spanish Inquisition found its greatest target, which is basically the evangelicals or the Lutherans. Um, among the nobility of that time uh, in the Reformation, uh, uh, they, the, the nobility uh, found the evangelical teachings, uh, uh, the preaching of the gospel to be, very, uh, to be very winsome. They desired it for themselves and for their people. But the Inquisition by that time had, had gained unrestrained authority to preserve uh, the Pope's teachings, and they committed great violence, not in the name of religion, let's be clear about this, but in the name of the Pope and his, and his man-made religion. And when it came to the gospel, that was the true target. And anything that stood against what the Pope said was in fact to be destroyed, even if it was Christ himself. You know, we are over in Spain uh, this summer, and it's amazing to me that Charles V was both in charge in, in the Holy Roman Empire, Germany, and also in Spain. Mm. And he was mm -hmm. somewhat peaceful in Germany for a little bit. I mean, there's diets and things happening, but in Spain, not so much. I mean, it was just full-on crusade mode, burn the heretics. It was pretty bad. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, we, and when people talk about the, the, uh, the ill of religion and causing religious wars, if you study the history of the Thirty Years' War, and, uh, the, uh, and the conflicts that resulted from the Reformation, I think that we, we would be well, uh, uh, well positioned just by the, ba the, the, the clear study of history to say that these were wars of papal aggression, <laughs> that, the, that Rome was willing to take back uh, uh, it under, the, you know, under, under uh, the princes that had sworn fealty and, and uh, faithfulness to the old po uh, pope teaching, pope's teachings uh, to reinforce its religion across uh, Europe. And uh, the Lutherans, again and again and again, along with some uh, of their Reformed allies, were, were beaten up and, uh, and punished and uh, burned to the ground and, and, and were defeated in battle after battle after battle. And the real miracle of the Thirty Years' War is that there was anything left of the gospel after it was all said and done. And so it wasn't as if, like, the, the, uh, the, the Reformers <laughs> lifted up arms and thought that they were going to co confront Rome and destroy the Pope through uh, open battle. But really, the, the, the victory of the Thirty Years' War is that, despite all of the destruction and mayhem that came at the, at the hands of the Pope's allies, somehow the preaching of the truth endured. And it endured not by the force of the sword, 
but by the word itself and by the and by the faith that believes in it. I want to I want to take us to the final thoughts, even though there's more accusations to answer. But I don't. We're just going to run out of time like we always do. Maybe we'll take yeah. up Luther and on the Jews and their lies in a, a future conversation because I think that'd be important to talk about too. But but to, to kind of wrap it all up, you you have a few final thoughts here. Um, walk us through those. Right. Uh, when Christians hear the accusation that religion causes evil, uh, this is an excellent opportunity for the Christians to confess the truth and to set the record straight on evil, that evil bubbles up from human hearts, that evil is in fact a, a human activity, uh, that we commit wrongs against one another that are that are absolutely uh, uh, that are absolutely unexplainable and you and unjustifiable. And so we acknowledge the reality of sin and that things are not what they should be. But thanks be to God, the fact that there is a divine law that exposes sin for what it is also testifies to the value of a divine lawgiver who sets the standard for righteousness and justice by which we can, in fact, say that some actions are evil and some are relatively good in comparison, right? And then we also say this, not only has from the human heart bubbled up all kinds of evil and wickedness, but uh, the source of true goodness and love and, uh, and even righteousness before God's throne comes from God himself, right? And so morality for the Christian, our sanctification, is a God-wrought wrought act in our own hearts and minds. And so our desire is for our opponents to understand this, that from the human heart, doesn't come progress and freedom and life and joy, but we should tell them about the horrific brutality of what they think is progress, abortion, uh, uh, laws that advance euthanasia, right? Uh, laws that, that try to suppress the truth of God's word. They're fighting against the very things that allow them to survive in this life. And not only to survive, but to have access to God's love and kindness. Um, and, uh, uh, Finally, when, when, when they make claims about the nature of religion, uh, don't let them talk about religion in a very abstract and, and sloppy way. Make them be specific when they talk about it. Uh, even ask yourself the question, when they say that religion causes all kinds of evil in the world, ask in your own experience. Forget about the news headlines for a sec. Uh, forget about these arguments from experience. Even from your own experience, is that true? Uh, uh, do, do in your family, are those people... Uh, who hear the gospel and love Jesus, are those the ones who, who you're afraid of? Are those the ones you don't trust? Was in fact the opposite the case. And it's been a, a clever argument of the devil to in fact flip the argument on its head and get us to accept against the evidence that the godless ones are in fact the virtuous ones. Uh, and, and, and I think that there is a, a plenty of room for a good argument to be made uh, to that effect. Uh, also, Fantastic. Uh, 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 what did you say? No, no, that's fantastic. I mean, it, it because it's it, it is a hundred percent true. I mean, when you when you there, there, so there's an illusion. There's kind of a huh, there's an illusion that's being constantly crafted uh, for us. A way of reading history and the world and ourselves that's being constantly put before us. But when we just pause, and I mean, one of the examples is that how many Christians there are. We would if you were just just believe the. The, the, the picture that Facebook and YouTube and the media creates, there's no Christians around at all. But if you just pause and think about it, there's Christians around us everywhere. That, so that, there's just a different, it's, it's a different story. 
the, the, the truth yes. versus what's being fed to us is what's true. And to, and to, to pause and reflect on that. interpretation of reality. Right. Yeah, it's a different right. interpretation of reality when you try to see the world through the lens of Facebook or YouTube or even CNN or Fox News. It's something else entirely when you see it through your own eyes and through the conversations with your friends and neighbors and through the sermons that you hear at church and through your Bible studies. These are two not only opposing worldviews or, or views on reality, but they're, but they're in absolute dire conflicts with one another. Christ is preaching hope, and you see Christian works of love everywhere. If you watch the news, you cannot believe that. <laughs> it's catechizing you in a completely different way. Hmm. Uh, so finally, the last thing I, I, I do want to say is take the time uh, to read up on history. Go to the, your local library. Pick up a few books on the Crusades. Don't, make sure that they're, you pick up books that are, that are older than 20 years ago, too. I mean, you want to look at some of the scholarship of the 20th century, even earlier scholarship if you can, because oftentimes history nowadays is really a, a vehicle for uh, uh, political ideology, propaganda. So make sure that you're trying to find a historian who desires to be as objective as possible. Then read about the Thirty Years' War. Then read about the Crusades. Then read about the Spanish Inquisition. And then judge what happened back then according to the Ten Commandments as God revealed it to you. And there you stand as a Christian in a position to judge everything in the world, even the sins of your fellow Christians, uh, to the point where you, you could say this is in conformity with God's law, and this is not. And of course, as a Christian, I'm not going to follow the example of Christians who sinned. Instead, I'm going to follow Christ, who is without sin, and who sanctifies me, makes me holy, and teaches me uh, uh, to love my neighbor as he himself loved me. Pastor Brian that's it. you got to... This is really good. You end with saying, see history through the eyes of Jesus. And I, I'll... I, I want to take this. This is so fantastic. But I, we got to wrap it up here, too. I, and I really appreciate your time. That We, we start to see that 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 there is something wrong in the world that, that that people and nations and even religious groups and people have sinned but that Christ has not that he has borne the sin of the world and even the enemy how about this even the enemy of the church and the person that brings the accusation that God is the cause of all evil even that person is died for by Jesus and Jesus sees them not through the eyes not through eye, through their own sin but through the eyes of his mercy and desires for even them to know his mercy and his kindness and to be brought into his love. And God be praised for that. Something is wrong in the world, but that's why Jesus died, to call us to himself and give us the sure promise of everlasting life. Well, hey, thanks again for listening to Cross Defense. Pastor Brian Wolfmiller, Pastor Brian Flammy. Talk to you again next week. God be praised. Defense is a production of KFUO Radio. Find past episodes and support Cross Defense at KFUO.org. Thanks again for downloading Cross Defense, for being a listener. So glad that you did. Again, as always, I want to remind you that if there's something helpful here for you or for someone in your family, pass it on. Let them know what you thought. And it always helps if you give us a review on wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, or player fm or stitcher or whatever if you leave a review there and put some stars in it that helps other people find out 
about the show. Thanks again for listening. We'll look forward to talking to you next week. God's peace be with you.